I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on me. Uh, all right, you win with that one. That was pretty good. Well, hello, listeners to Movies on the Side. I'm Stephen Robles. I'm Nate Baranowski. And this week we are in the Christmas season still, and Die Hard is still not a Christmas movie. It definitely is, and I have moved to Home Alone not being a Christmas movie. We're, listen, we're going to have to get to that, but I don't even know if we have time for it today. We will get to that topic. Because we'll do Home Alone at some point in time, I think. Yes, and I've actually watched both Home Alone and Home Alone 2 the past nights. Home Alone 2 is a lot more of a Christmas movie than Home Alone the Ridge. Mm. With Duncan's Toy Shop and the kids. I'm not ready to make the full argument, but let me just say, Christmas trees, presents, model trains, just that one scene of Kevin McAllister making believe that the house is alive, those are all Christmas paraphernalia. Those were necessary to the plot. They could have been Fourth of July paraphernalia. No. Could have been Uncle Sam dancing around in there. (sighs) Christmas carols. He goes to the church, finds a guy with a shovel. We, we, we can't do this snow. right now. We can't no. do this right now, no, Stephen. We won't, we won't do it. We won't do it. Okay. I have a few things to follow up because there's been like some exciting things happening yes. in the Mott's universe. We did a Cyber Monday sale, and I didn't even let you know. I didn't even tell you. Oh, I Sorry. saw it on our social media. <laughs> okay, very I post good. I, I, I see everything, so I was delighted very by good. our own sale. Yes. I, you know, I thought it was literally on a whim. Monday morning, I said, it's Cyber Monday. Let's uh, see if people buy stuff. And people did, Nate. People bought Mott's merch. Absolutely. It's amazing. People bought shirts. People bought stickers, sweatshirts. We bought some Mott's merch for a friend and listener of the show, Katie, Ah, who got a t-shirt. Shout out to her. Anyway, it was very exciting. Thank you to everyone who bought some Mott's merch. Also, I'm going to get some more items on there. I thought about getting a hat. I thought about getting a Mott's hat. I love it. Also like to say that we have a new Patreon supporter. Oh, yes. My brother, Jacob. <laughs> I'm halfway to having those that I love in my own family paying me to hear me talk. <laughs> Actually, it's probably to hear you talk. They get to hear me talk all the time. Well, so they get to hear us interact, Nate. They get to oh, hear yes. us, the yes. chemistry. It's, it's our chemistry exactly. that they're paying for. So That's thank right. you, Jacob. Looking at you, other family members. Pay your son to hear him talk. That's <laughs> so good. All right. And one other piece of follow-up. You know, the, the other day in Patreon, which if you're a Patreon supporter, you heard this. We talked about wanting to have like a guy, someone you trust, someone who knows you, and you're not going anywhere else. Who says, we got some new prosciutto in the back. That's right. He knows how I like my meat cut, my hair cut. He likes, they know how everything's cut. Yep. I forgot that I have a guy that I go to all the time, love this place, and they are one of the best car mechanics in the Central Florida area. Oh. Gerald's Automotive. If you're in Lakeland around, I, I highly recommend them. And I've been going to them for years. I don't get to interact with the guys too much, but the other day I had to bring my car in. And Brian, who is one of the workers there, he's, he's awesome, call him all the time. And he says, uh, oh, yeah, love your podcast. I said, what? How do you know that I have a podcast? It's like, well, you know, I got in your car to drive in the garage and I saw a little business card. So I looked it up. Now I listen. And Brian from Gerald's Automotive is a faithful listener and loves the show. That is amazing. It, it was an amazing story. And so, Brian, thanks for listening. And thanks for everyone for listening, obviously. But I just love how people find us. Because, listen, let's be honest, Nate. I'll let you agree or disagree. But we're not great at marketing our own show sometimes. Uh, I would agree. I have a stack of business cards, of movies on the side <laughs> business cards, sitting in my car. Yes. And I'm not sure what to do with them. But Brian has inspired me. Yes. Because now I think to myself, maybe I'll just leave him every once in a while at the coffee shop table I was at. Exactly. Maybe I will, um, kind of like folding a paper airplane mm. with, or no. A message in like a bottle. Putting a, a message in a bottle. That's it. Yes, yes. I'm just kind of message in the bottle, movies in the side, and fill the Christmas time with joy and laughter. <laughs> And two guys talking about movies. Yeah. So anyway, listeners, this is why we ask you guys sometimes to help us promote the show because we don't know how to do it. So share the show. But that's how Brian found it because I had the stack of business cards in my car too <laughs> that I've not given out or put anywhere. But anyway, want to give a shout out to Brian. Awesome that you listen. Steven? Yes. Or should I say, Stefan, I have something I want you to try to do and report back. Okay. And I'm not even going to put this on Patreon because I want everyone to know and hold yes. you responsible. Okay. Next time you go to Chick-fil-A, 
and go mm-hmm. through the drive-through and you have your online order and they mess your name up and say Stefan instead. Yes. I want you to say thank you very much and you hand them a movies on the side business card <laughs> and say this is a podcast I do love for you to take a listen please and tell us how it goes I was actually editing our very podcast movies on the side on my iPad while in the drive through for Chick-fil-A Oh that's safe Well you know it's a long line you're in the, you're in the drive through for about 10 15 minutes you got to get work done when you can and as I was editing it the Chick-fil-A attendant looked inside and said, uh, are you a musician? I said, uh, no, no, no. Vocally? I'm a, well, you know. My instrument is my voice. But I said, uh, here's the card. I took one of the business cards from the stack of 50. You did give out, out a card already. I gave out a single card to the Chick-fil-A attendant. And I said, you know what? You should take a listen. And she looked at me with that awkward look. She said, uh, yeah, okay, thanks. So who knows You know if she'll ever listen. But maybe she might be listening right now. So thanks if you are, Chick-fil-A attendant. I love that you've already done it. We are keeping with the Christmas season and doing another Christmas movie, Nate. Yes. We did the 1998 Christmas classic, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Starring Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Jessica Biel. So two quick questions before we jump into the movie. What was your seventh heaven experience growing up? I have only seen maybe three episodes total of Seventh Heaven. Wow. Here is all I know. I was attracted to two or three of the daughters from that show. Right. Exactly. That's all. Like That's literally all I remember about the show is there were a lot of them, and I thought several of them were cute. I have seen probably every episode of Seventh Heaven, maybe multiple times. Wowza. Yeah. And- uh, same same experience. Uh, definitely crush on Jessica Biel. And the next youngest one, whatever the... Whatever the, she, the middle. Whoever she yeah. is, yes. That was my experience there. And secondly, home improvement. Now, home improvement, I have seen every episode of multiple times. Right. I would say home improvement in the Baranowski home was a show that at a specific time in life, they had the syndicated... Uh, runs right. yes yes uh, like around dinner time right so i don't know if it was like a pre-dinner show or a, like right after dinner but i have seen i think every episode of home improvement a big part of my childhood family matters and home improvement between last week and this week we're really covering my 90s family sitcoms <laughs> same home improvement was a staple in our home as well seen every episode probably i think i thought of myself a little bit as a jonathan taylor thomas growing up Without the looks and the fame and people crushing on them, I really felt like that middle child set up. And Jacob was very much a Mark Mm. growing up until like he departed. He did not take the goth route that Mark took in Home Improvement. (laughs) Right, right. So we have both of those actors coming together, Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Jessica Biel, for this I'll Be Home for Christmas movie. Now, you saw this back in the day, or is this the first time? After starting it, I was like, okay, I've seen this movie. I have seen this in the past, and the rewatch brought back the memories. I think it was a a blockbuster rental for me back in the day. Right. Not blockbuster, but Into Video, a local establishment in Metamora, Illinois, also with tanning beds. It's now a vape shop, I believe. I think they closed it down. (laughs) (laughs) It might have been on TV, too. I feel like this was on... Around Christmas time. ABC Family. Exactly. Rotten Tomatoes, Nate, this movie got a 23% critic score. Yeah. 41% audience score. Low, low marks. Yeah. And I took the time to look up Roger Ebert's review. So did I. Oh, did you? I did. <laughs> Roger Ebert, he says, I'll be home for Christmas is an exercise in cinematic Ovaltine, which is so good. He also calls it unrelentingly corny. And his final line in the review, he says, I'll be home for Christmas will appeal to people who fail to care if nothing good happens in a movie, just as long as nothing bad happens in it. Mm. And he gives it a one star. Yes, I think that's his lowest lowest rating. So, Nate, I'm in agreement. I found this movie terrible. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. Now, I'm going to to voice maybe an unpopular opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. I might get in trouble for this. Mm-hmm. In this movie, I find Jonathan Taylor Thomas and his face mm-hmm. to be punchable. 
I, I don't know. I just couldn't deal with it. How did you feel about JTT's face and him in this movie? This is my thesis. <laughs> okay. Jonathan Taylor Thomas is unlikable in this movie, but most everyone else in this movie is also so unlikable mm. that comparatively, he is one of the good guys. Yeah. Mm. We'll get into this argument later. I don't have anything against him personally. <laughs> I just find his character in this movie with the smug grin, it just ugh, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Got it. Sierra, I'm sure that tastes good here, but I bet it would taste even better someplace else. Shoo shoo. I want to ask you something. In the beginning of this movie, we see Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Jessica Biel. It took me maybe about 15 minutes to figure out if they were in high school or college. Well, he is... 16 during the filming of this movie okay but they're supposed to be in college right right yeah oh yeah they are in college like the movie have, plays them in college yeah it is strange because usually i watch movies of people in college and think you're 26 years old you are far too old to be a college freshman or whatever but i watch this movie thinking man he looks like a high schooler really does but i believe that jessica beale is in college <laughs> I do too, but I just looked her up. She was born in 1982. She's actually a year younger than Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Can you believe that? So she was like 15 or 16 when they filmed this too. Yes. That's oof, That's weird, man. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, it was, and there's like lockers and stuff. And the friend that is helping Jonathan Taylor Thomas with all the nerdy stuff, he gets like mm-hmm. put in his locker, which is definitely a high school thing that happens. Right. Okay. This is great. Let's go to this locker thing because I have seen people stuffed in lockers, not in real life. Yeah. No one gets stuffed in lockers for real. Right. But people get stuffed in lockers for fun to see if they can fit. Right. For sure. It was not until watching this movie that I thought to myself, what a horrible experience. Oh, yeah. To be trapped in a locker. Oh, like, I really let it sink in. That is a nightmare. Yeah. If you're at all claustrophobic, it might be a death sentence. I don't know. But yeah, it'd be pretty troubling. Now, that kid who gets stuffed in the locker yes. dies in that locker in this movie. Yeah, he never gets out. Because he is in the hallway <laughs> in that locker yeah. for Christmas break. No one is around. He's knocking. And they play it as a funny scene. Oh, goodness. He is dead. He is dead in January 3rd. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, Nate. I thought about that the whole time. They never came back to him. That kid is still in the locker. Nate. Just Bones McGee. Oh, my goodness. I never thought about that. Just a skeleton in there. Nate, this is a horror movie. It is. This isn't a Christmas movie. <laughs> this, is, this is on the level of Saw. This is terrible. That kid is uh. still in that locker, right? Yeah. I never thought about that. We never see him get out. We never see him again. That is very troubling. Twelve. 32, 14. Oh, man. The, the whole beginning of this movie was problematic. I was just trying to figure out what and how and where things were happening. I also find all of Jonathan Taylor Thomas's lines feel like a high schooler reading the script, like the very first script reading in like theater class. Yes. That's how it sounds whenever he delivers a line. But I think that's how Jessica Biel sounds. And that's how the other guy from Seventh Heaven, I found out he was from Seventh Heaven, Ed. Eddie the Ed Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they all say lines that I think this sounds like a run through. Yes, exactly. And like, we're going to finish this script later. But like, this is kind of the general idea of what you're going to say. Yeah, but it- we're going to get to this script because I have some notes. Oh, man. Okay. The only other note I wanted to, at this beginning of the movie, he's on the phone with his dad. And he's, you know, the movie paints him as this like smooth talker or whatever. And he says this line, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Is the convenience of technology worth the loss of our privacy? Who would do such a thing? Where will it end, Dad? And this is in 1998. And I find it so ironic that he says that line in 1998. And that's like a thing today. Right. So anyway, this movie might be prophetic. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, there's a deep meaning behind it. I mean, they didn't plan the deep meaning. It just happened to have deep (laughs) meaning 20 years later. So... Before they leave for this adventure, we meet Eddie. Yes. The Ed Man, as he calls himself. Yes. In a new car, one of his first lines is, Hey, Allie, what kind of perfume are you wearing today? Excuse me? So I got three words for you. New car smell, and it would smell so good on you. Why don't you come in here and check it out, baby? So weird. Tell me about Eddie. Eddie is ridiculous, the entire movie. 
I get the character, and you almost feel bad for him at times. And there's one time later in the movie where he asks Jessica Biel, how come you're always mean to Eddie? No, he says, the, the line that I wrote down is, why are you so mean to the Ed man? And she says, because you refer yourself in the third person, which I think that was a good line. I thought of, I thought of you. <laughs> yes. I was like, that's, that's what Stephen would say. I said, thumbs up. But yeah, that was the only time where I had any twinge of feeling bad for Eddie. Oh, really? Every other time, it's like, I just, just a hair. I felt bad for Eddie kind of throughout the whole thing. Yeah. She agreed to go on this across the country trip with Eddie. Which also, okay. No way. Let's just say. No way. So, so strange. You're going to spend four days in a car? And they didn't share hotel rooms except that one night, but like, you're going to have to sleep. Right. This dude has made weird advances about how you smell and your perfume. (laughs) And you're going to be like, I'm going to get in a car with you and be in that car for... 50 hours ridiculous preposterous yeah exactly why can't she get a ticket to go home why can't she buy a plane ticket her parents and apparently her family is totally not present in this well they are they're not present in this movie and we find out she has a nice house at the end of the movie we see her putting something under her tree yeah it's an ugly christmas tree but a really nice house (laughs) so surely she had parents who probably could have bought her a ticket but like there are alternatives it's not like either you go to the airport it was like she didn't have a family. Like she was making them all up. She said earlier, like, oh, my egg, my mom makes this eggnog from scratch, and I want to see the snow, and I want to go back home. He drives by at the end and sees her working on the Christmas tree. No one else is in the room. She comes outside and gets in the sleigh with him and leaves. Tells no one. Right. No one's around. You know what? New part. Yes. I'll be home for Christmas is a horror movie about a man locked <laughs> forever. In a in a locker in a college a college hallway locker like those right, exist right and about a girl making up a fake family and squatting in someone else's home living with the delusion of having a family but doesn't this movie is literally terrifying now oh and and about and about a woman getting in a car with a harasser for a cross country trip right that you would never do <sighs> oh also it's about a couple bullies. Taking a guy out into the middle of the desert, taping, not taping, (laughs) gluing on a Santa outfit and leaving him to die. Yes. To die in the (laughs) desert. That was my other serious issue with this movie. That seems totally implausible for them to get Jonathan Taylor Thomas that far out there, unless they had like chlorophyll and were drugging him, like so he would stay asleep. Surely he would have woken up before being dragged out into the middle of the desert. It doesn't seem like, yeah, he doesn't seem like he was beat up. It sounds like he, yeah, like he was drugged and taken. But we never see that. Yeah. What if he doesn't wake up? Yeah. They could have murdered that man in the desert. Right. right. Okay. This is definitely a horror movie. This is a horror Christmas movie. (laughs) And it is the worst. Literally the worst. Okay. Okay. Hold on a second. The next thing is they glued the hat onto him and the beard. Yeah. This movie needs to have the guts. (laughs) The gumption for when they when she pulls off his hat later, some hair's got to come with it. Oh, give me that ring of bald hair pulled areas because his hair is perfect after she pulls off the right, hat. Right. If he could not pull it off, that would take some hair with it. That's true because he's in the bathroom and he tries to pull it off and it's like not moving. Right. It would take some stuff with it for sure, and it would take a lot of glue to glue that all the way around someone's head. Yes. That's a lot of glue. And again, you're gluing it to the hair. And if you can't pull it off, it's taking that hair with it. (sighs) This movie has so many holes. Let's go to the car ride between the Ed Man and Allie. Mm -hmm. She is constantly mean to the Ed Man. Yeah. You're going to spend a ton of time with Ed Man, and then you're going to make fun of Eddie throughout the thing. Like, I guess there's no intelligent life here. I think at times, that's when I felt worse for Eddie is like, Eddie's just trying to, well... He's, he's a sleaze and he's trying to make a move all yeah. the time. But sometimes he just wants to be liked. <laughs> he says to her in the why you're so mean to the Ed man. He says earlier. I'm a millennial type of guy. You know, I, I dig world music. I think Freon should be banned. You know, I'm all about what does Jake have that I haven't got? It's the stuff he comes up with. <laughs> Amazing things, things that just give me the chills. And he says, what kinds of things? And she says that he quoted like an E.E. E. Cummings line. Right. Which all we are to believe is that 
Jonathan Taylor Thomas is a master manipulator and like has learned these corny things. Right. So <laughs> right. we're going to go to Romance Corner later, but I don't know. I, I found their interaction nauseating in the car. I agree. I'm not an Eddie apologist. I need to let you know. He <laughs> also says the line, jingle, move your candy canes. I think I'm going to bleep that out. Okay. Well, if you're going to be bleeping out, out ones, again, this movie I think is PG. So what you're right. about to bleep out is not bad. But she does say <laughs> to Jonathan Taylor Thomas, you might be a fake boyfriend, but you're a genuine. <laughs> so weird. That's a weird line. couple quick notes. There's a moment where it starts snow falling in the desert on Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Mm-hmm. That special effect is atrocious. That's bad. That's bad. Horrible. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> horrible. Horrible special effects. Just want to point that out. Yes. So Jonathan Taylor Thomas also encounters several guys who forward the plot. Yeah. Let's let's go through all of them. Yes. Well, first it's the old ladies, right? Yes. First he gets into a car with a bunch of old ladies going to Las Vegas. There's vomit involved. It's hilarious. And by hilarious, I'm being completely sarcastic. It's not yes. funny at all. It's not funny at all. There's like pickle juice. There's one mean old lady. And they literally kick him out of the car in the middle of the highway, which seems out of character even for the meanest old lady. Okay, Santa Claus, make yourself useful and just put those right back in her mouth. Yep. So strange. I didn't enjoy that at all. It wasn't funny at all. Yes. Then he encounters the van guy who basically runs him over. Yes. He is fencing stolen goods. He thinks he runs them over. He thinks he kills them. He is trying to find a tomato slice that falls on the van floor, the carpeted van floor. He's not, his name is Nolan, by the way. Actor Andrew Nolan. Lauer. Okay. Yeah, this is Nolan. There is fart jokes. There are vomit jokes. There are all sorts of gross out things. The grossest yes. thing in this movie is this guy searching for a tomato slice, <laughs> grabbing it off the carpet, and then in one of the greatest plot holes of this movie, full of plot holes, this guy holds a tomato in one hand, holds his sandwich in the other hand, and they are talking while he's driving down the road. And Jonathan Taylor Thomas says, you have been apologizing for two hours to me about accidentally running me over. You can drop it. Meaning that this whole time, this guy has been holding a tomato slice with one bite out of it for two hours in his hand. That's hilarious. That's the kind of that's the kind of research you get here from movies on the side. Watch this movie and watch that tomato slice. It's a plot hole I didn't expect. We'll just say that. Uh, are you saying that's Mrs. Claus in that car with another guy? Mrs. Claus stepping out on Santa, letting some other guy down the chimney. So Nolan, the van guy. Yep. I could not stand him. Yep. Cannot stand the voice he's trying to put on. Steven, accent corner, what is what is he is he supposed to be kind of like surfer bro? What's his accent there? Yeah, it's because like, I couldn't get it. It's surfer bro, maybe I don't know. I don't want to be mean. It's just it's weird. Maybe high, maybe like a little like kinda... There might be some drugs involved for sure. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Whatever it was, I couldn't stand it. I didn't it was cringeworthy. The entire time. I thought the whole experience with the van guy, they go to the children's hospital, they hand out a bunch of like toasters and stuff, which I thought is a funny concept. This movie is full of things that would be more funny, but they get about like they get the funny idea and then they populate it with blah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I could see how that scene would be funny. You're selling off these stolen fenced appliances or you're giving them to the little kids. That's cool. But it's never, it doesn't yeah. quite ever get to like chuckle. No. It just gets to like, oh, that's a cool concept. Yeah. I thought that Jonathan Taylor Thomas, I'm going to start calling him Jake because that's a long name to say over and over again. Agreed. Um, I thought that Jake would start getting better at this point. I thought this was right. hit, like, Stephen, I don't know if Jake no. <laughs> really makes too much of a turn towards being a better person. Maybe in the last five minutes, but I could also, you could convince me he became a better manipulator during this movie and finally got what he wanted. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could t- totally see that and agree. Absolutely. Okay. So Van Guy. Van Guy's terrible, Nolan. So then the cop guy, they get pulled over. Yep. Jake gets out of that. They go to the children's hospital, give away the gifts. Now the cop guy wants him to help get his wife back mm-hmm. because he, he kissed some girl in a bar. And so they go, where is it? Nebraska? Yep. They go to Nebraska and they go to the restaurant where his wife is a waitress and she's all mad because he kissed some other lady. Yep. And Jake goes in there and tries to convince her otherwise. Yep. Now I have this note. I want to know if you yes. agree in any, in any respects. The conversation 
between Jake and the waitress. The latter part of the conversation where Jake is using his own family as an analogy and the waitress kind of gets that yep. he's talking about his, his real stuff. I find this to be one of the only redeeming moments in the entire movie. Well, what's wrong with the stepmother? Well, the dad married her only 10 months after his wife died. Why is this guy mad at the stepmother? It's not her fault. Don't you think 10 months is a little soon? What does any of this have to do with me and Max? Misunderstandings can be overcome if both people just try. Yes. Yes. Thank Decent you. Decent moment. I like that Jake shows, like, there's a slight sliver of genuineness to the conversation. And I thought the waitress, as a character, was actually kind of, I wanted her to be happy. Yes. Which is I can't say for many characters in this movie, but I wanted her to be happy. <laughs> exactly. And I find she might have been one of the best actors in this movie. Like, I believed what she was saying. I thought she was great. Okay. People I thought were great and that I wanted to be happy in this movie. I can list them right now because the list is short. Yes. The waitress woman. Yep. I wanted good things for her. The stepmom who really just wants to buy a sweater and apparently she wants Jake to ask about her sweater size. So strange. Right. I thought she was great. Yeah. The, the sweater thing was really strange though. I have that as a point. <laughs> like, Okay. We can get to that. I felt bad for the friend who gets stuffed in the locker because he, he died. So I wanted him to be happy, but I, as we talked about before, this is a horror movie and <laughs> right. he's, he's gone. He's gone now. And then the last character I wanted to be, uh, one of the good things to happen to was the mayor, that Santa guy who donates and gets turkeys from winning the 5K. Oh, yes. That's, Those, right. that's it. That's it. I'll agree. I agree. The sister's kind of funny. Jake's sister at home when she gives the phone to her dad and she's like, oh, yeah. it's the prodigal son. He's calling. Yeah. I'll give her that line. Uh, the, the one line going back to the, the diner in Nebraska. This is the one time that I chuckled while watching this movie. I wrote it down because it felt like a, a rare moment. The one line that I chuckled at was when Jake whispers to the policeman. Now on your knees. Now on your knees. Can we don't sing it? That's the one chuckle I had because that was pretty good. Yeah, but even that whole scene, like that, one of the few decent moments, I will yeah, say. Yeah, him singing to her, and yeah. I kind of felt for the police guy a little bit. I did. So after that, Jake gets on the bus. At one point, he sees on the TV, Allie and Eddie kiss under the mistletoe, like you had said. And so he tries to get to that town that they're in. That kiss under the mistletoe, I'm going to say it, is better than any kiss that he had with her later in the movie. There was no hesitance from her that about to kiss the guy that she's has shown repulsion with throughout the whole thing right and i had the thought of oh is, is this a dream sequence is he gonna wake up and find that like they weren't uh, but they kissed each other passionately under a mistletoe on tv yes and then like never really referenced it again jake didn't seem upset that his girlfriend was kissing another guy because apparently in this great land of ours mistletoe is binding mistletoe is law exactly and it's like hey she said to him when he finds them in a hotel room together right he got me under the mistletoe for two seconds what could i do i had no choice what could i do what kind of line is he got me under like ah trickster he got mm -hmm. me what was i yeah i had to french kiss him under a mistletoe right on tv <laughs> i saw you kissing her on tv you dirtbag he got me under the mistletoe for two seconds. Big deal. It was more like five seconds. Eddie walks out in just a towel uh, when they're <laughs> arguing about that in the hotel room. So awkward. So awkward. <laughs> anyway. Eddie. Uh, Eddie. So weird. Somehow we get to the point where JTT r runs in a race as Santa earns the money so he can get home. Because he's still trying to get home to get that Porsche. Yeah. And, you know, his parents or his dad doesn't believe that he ran into trouble so he's, he's trying to find all the ways uh -huh. wins the race gets the money gives it back to the mayor so he can buy turkeys for children or something like that turkeys for tots right jake is reserved that he's not getting home his sister calls or he calls his, his home and he talks to his sister and she offers to give him allowance money for years and buy him a plane ticket right the process for buying this plane ticket reservation is hilarious in 1998 in 1998 she tells jake Okay, fine, whatever you want. I'm near Madison, Wisconsin. I'll hitch you right to the airport. I'll see you soon. Wait, uh, I don't have any ID. How am I gonna pick up the ticket? Mm, I know, I'll make up a secret password to go with your reservation that only you would know. And I was like, what kind of world is this? I don't even remember right. back then. Right. Once Jake gets to the airport, we find that, no, 
He's not going to get the ticket because he doesn't have a driver's ID. Is there is negligence somewhere in the airline industry? Right. <laughs> the fact that they let this girl spend hundreds of dollars. I don't know how much tickets were back then. Yeah. To buy a plane ticket for her brother and not say to her, he will need an ID. This password alone won't do anything. They stole money from that girl. That's another part of this horror movie. The airline <laughs> industry robbing this young girl. And Jake probably will never tell her that the ticket she bought was useless. Yeah. Because he didn't use it. All of her money's gone. Her money is gone. And Jake just gets into a uh, dog cage, a dog kennel, and somehow flies in the cargo area of a plane. I did some Google searching during the scene to see if you could survive in the cargo hold. Yes. Yes, you can. You can. Okay. No problem. I mean, like the, the animals are in there. It's fine. I don't think sneaking in onto a plane in the cargo hold holds up after, no. let's say, 2001. Not at all. But 1998. No problem. And also, like, none of the airport attendants as they're loading the plane sees Jake in the dog kennel. You know, it's not like yeah. he's in a Santa yeah, suit. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's not wearing, like, camo. <laughs> he's, not dressed like, he's not dressed like a dog. Right. We miss this part, which I think is the most egregious thing that Jake does in this movie, is in order to get them to stop in Iowa or Wisconsin. Yeah. Somehow they get to Wisconsin. Let me tell you something. In order to get to New York, <laughs> you take 80 through Iowa or Route 66, or whatever you're taking, and you go through Illinois. If you end up in Madison, Wisconsin, you have gone too far north <laughs> because you have to go south to get under Lake Michigan. Right. So I don't know what route they're taking, but if you're in Madison, you are not taking a great route to New York. Yeah. But I, I digress. The worst thing he does is he writes in crayon on that cooler that a girl needs a liver transplant. <laughs> and the whole bus gets on board so that they can stop at this place. That is low. And totally implausible, too. What is wrong with you, man? Get behind the yellow line! Don't give me your lip. I don't believe you, man. There's a little girl in Edelbrook that needs a liver transplant. We gotta schedule the key. Schedule, schmedule. Shame on you. This isn't about schedules, man. So he manages to get to New York. Mm -hmm. One other slightly funny moment. He hijacks a sleigh and reindeer or horses horses yep one horse open sleigh there's a group of carolers singing silent night and they get interrupted by jake careening down the road yes that was a slightly funny i thought that was i funny. liked it i liked how they did it twice yes and they did it you twice. know the comedy rule of twos <laughs> <laughs> well i think three would have been too much in that regard but yeah, yes yeah, yeah. sorry and uh, he gets home, but he waits till after 6 p.m. He sits in the sleigh with Jessica Beale to prove to her that he doesn't need the Porsche to want to be home. So he waits till after 6 p.m. He takes her from the empty house first, where we don't, That's with right. her made up family. The empty haunted house with some man yes. tied in the closet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, they live happily ever after. Okay, so romance corner. Uh, Nate, how did you feel about the relationship between Jake and Allie? I felt. Zero chemistry between them. This is a real apology. If you'll accept it. I might. Like I said, the best kiss was between Allie and Edman. <laughs> and the Edman. Right, true. Jake and Allie had, they had chemistry, but they had brother-sister chemistry. They had a lot of times of like, he put his arms around her shoulders, or she put her arms around his back. But it was like friends. It was a friend, a brother, sister, walking down the street kind of thing. Yeah. I never got it between those two. I don't know. I don't know why. It never worked. I knew they would end up together, but I didn't really care. Right. Yeah. I just, it didn't work for me ever. I'll have to agree. Now I'm going to ask you one other romance corner. Allie and Eddie. How do you feel about that? I feel like Allie and Eddie actually had a chance because <laughs> I thought... <laughs> yeah. You know, at times, I didn't know how Eddie was going to end up in this movie. I didn't remember how this movie ended. I thought Eddie was going to have a redeeming moment of like, you know what? I've been putting on a front this whole time, but I'm actually kind of a nice guy inside who loves poetry. You know, like, <laughs> I could actually make you kind of happy. Right. They get this car thing is all a front. Right. But I don't need any of this. Instead... Eddie ends up in jail. <laughs> oh, right. Speaking of how people end up in this movie, we see him right. in the back of a cop car. <laughs> He's in 25 to life for calling cops jingle balls. 
And that, and that scene when he's like yelling at Jake to meet him at the station. Uh-huh. First of all, you would never hear him that clearly inside of a cop car with yeah, the window closed. That ADR was pretty clear. Yeah, ridiculous. But yeah, that's true. He Jake never goes back for him, and we never hear from Eddie again. I thought he was going to rescue Eddie, and it was going to be a redeeming moment for Jake. Right, but no, no, he doesn't. Eddie's in prison in like Wisconsin. <sighs> he can't get out. He can't post bail. We don't know if Eddie has a family. His car is towed. Eddie's in a bad way. Not as bad as the guy who's in the locker, but in a bad way. Man. Usually these movies wrap up these side characters and give you a little a little something some at the end to be like, he learned his lesson or he got his comeuppance or nope. they paired off with random these random characters paired off. That's a real right. 90s thing to do. Nope. You're just left to imagine Eddie in a prison cell growing old. Well, Nate, I am fully convinced that this is a horror movie. <laughs> After all the people that are left in lockers, left in jail, empty houses. Yeah. Wait, let's let's go to his family for a second towards the end. Okay. His dad has bribed him with this Porsche. We are really meant to believe that his dad just wants him home. Like his dad really cares about him, right? Seems like it. Yeah. This bribery of the Porsche thing seems so strange. Like it doesn't quite make sense because it's feels like another manipulative ploy but he's honestly just like i i I would give up this porsche in order to have you there Mm. but that whole concept makes his dad seem a little like "Ah, it's all about you know i'm just going to use this thing to get him back here but then he turns out his dad really is just like a caring guy yeah i thought that was strange yeah it was a strange deal and also i mean let's be honest he marries a new woman 10 months after his wife dies. And I would assume... Oh, you're going to judge him? No, love is love, no, Stephen. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that is fairly quick. I don't know. I would at least hit that year mark. You know what I mean? I'm not saying you don't have to date anybody in the first year, but to get remarried within 10 months, that's a, I don't know, a little quick. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe talking to your son about it, but he hasn't. I don't think he's even met her, has he? Maybe not. I, unclear. Unclear. Another plot hole. Who knows? The line about asking your stepmom what her sweater size is. Oh. Is meant to be so touching, but it is so cringy. It is. It's so weird. It's strange. It's so weird. My sweater size, I'm a 36 or a medium. Either or. What's yours? Mine? Yeah, you know, for uh, future information. Eight. I'll remember that. (laughs) What? What was strange, too, is she asks him on the phone earlier in the movie, and he's like, ah, 38. I assume she then buys him a sweater, because it's almost Christmas. (laughs) Right, but when he sees her in person, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a 36. And I thought to myself, why would you give her the wrong size over the phone just to spite her? She's buying you a sweater. Yeah, you're the one who gets the the bad-fitting sweater. (laughs) Right, like, this hurts you. I don't understand why he gives her the wrong size and then the right one later. It just doesn't make sense. she's so touched by, like, oh, now you're being truthful with me. And then what is it? It, He wants to buy her a sweater in the future? Uh, Right, yeah, like, or... (laughs) That's so weird. I'm planning to buy you a sweater for next Christmas. When he asked her her sweater size, I was like, strange, (laughs) so strange. Oh, my word. <laughs> What's your sweater size? And Nate, she says, like, with tears in her eyes, like, eight. Right, yeah. She's like, she shows one of the, the most emotion in this movie of any character, and it's right then. This gives me a couple questions. But, Stephen, is that how sweater sizes work? I had the same. I thought sweaters were, like, in large, extra large, double X. I had the same thought. Are they, like, suit jackets? Maybe, I guess, if you get into that nice sweater territory. But every sweater I've ever bought was like extra large, large. Like it was never. Yeah, maybe you get a tall in there. Yeah, I mean, maybe. you get dress shirts, you can get different sizes. But also 38 for a sweater size. That's weird. Then do women's sweaters come in dress sizes? Because like an eight is like a dress size, right? Yes. You get those low numbers. Yes. Those are dress sizes. Right. I get, apparently women's sweaters are different, but I was confused. Like, oh, you're an eight. You're a 36. So weird. That's what I thought of this time. And then the final thing I have to say about this movie is that, speaking of his character growth, he steals that one-horse sleigh. Right. The parade comes around. They see the stolen Grand Theft Auto. Oh, right. Grand Theft (laughs) Sleigh-O. And 
they come across him and are like, you stole that sleigh. And then he complimented the guy's wings and he's like, oh, it's fine. Somewhere out there is a Santa who had his sleigh stolen. I'm assuming he, he owns that horse and that sleigh. They don't uh, repo that sleigh when they find him. Instead, he gets to like keep riding it around for the rest of the night. And the family leaves their hot dinner on the table <laughs> to go on this sleigh ride. Yeah. With a stolen horse and that he somehow knows how to do to lead off this parade that no one is watching because it's at night in an <laughs> abandoned neighborhood. And this random... What parade goes on at night with no one there? Right, especially on Christmas Eve. Through a residential neighborhood. This is not a main street. This is not Times Square. This is Bartmouth. <laughs> what is it? Larchmont. Larchmont. <laughs> what is that sleigh doing? Are people supposed to come out of their houses during Christmas dinner and watch it? No one's watching this parade. Nate, I struggle because this is on the list of like classic Christmas movies. Like when I see people post like, what's your favorite Christmas movie? This is in the list. How? This is in the list that people choose as some of their favorite Christmas movies. And I find this incorrigible. I'll be honest. I liked viewing it at times because I knew we would talk about it. Well, yeah. And because taking notes on this made me enjoy this movie. Right. But that's about it. It has almost no redeeming qualities. I don't know. I'm ready to rate this movie. Let's do it. I'm going to rate this movie on a scale of zero to five fake livers. Steven, what was that thing? What was that guy eating? I thought it was some kind of cranberry sauce. Entrails. I don't know. What, but what was that like tartare? Was it looked like raw meat? What did that guy have that he, was, that he turned into a liver? I, don't know. I really thought it was some kind of cranberry sauce, but I'm not sure. One more plot hole. <laughs> written in crayon on the top liver transplant yeah it's real official you can't write in crayon on a cooler top i i'm giving this movie 0.5 livers (laughs) 0.5 fake livers the 0.5 comes from the waitress herself that's pretty much about it but this movie is truly terrible (laughs) yes it's on disney plus and so if you are one of the millions that have subscribed to that you could watch it tonight or you have a free trial. Or you have a free trial, but I would recommend five times in a row with your different email addresses. <laughs> Not me. I bought it. No, no, but no. Yeah, you yeah. know, you know who you are. I would literally watch anything else before watching this movie. This movie is terrible. I I don't think it is worth your time, your eyeballs. It's worth nothing. Don't do it. And it's not a Christmas classic, so don't say it is. I disagree with Stephen a thousand percent right now. You want people to see this horrible, yes, horrible movie. Yes. I am going to give this movie one and a half fake livers. One and a half. Oh my word. Here's why it's one and a half. Uh-huh. This movie circles around from being bad <laughs> to being hilarious. It circles the toilet bowl. That's the only thing it circles. It circles the toilet bowl. And just like how I'm going to give an analogy here because I'm on fire with my analogies today. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Your mom makes you a Christmas casserole. You take it home. You put it in the back of the fridge and forget about it. A month later, you pull it out. It has grown the most nasty mold. It looks like an, an arboretum in there. A terrarium <laughs> is what I really meant. It hasn't grown trees. So this movie is a moldy Christmas casserole. Mm. It is so bad that you say, hey, come in here. Look at this mold. Look at these formations. Look at all the colors. Mm. That's what this movie is. You should watch it because you want to look at the cr- ugly mold or like, smell this. It's nasty. That's what it is. And if that at all sounds interesting to you, watch I'll Be Home for Christmas. It is terrible. It is a waste of time. But hopefully after you've listened to this podcast, you will laugh along when you hear the line, why are you so mean to the Ed man? Well, listeners, tell us what you think. If you have seen this horrible, horrible movie, Please share your thoughts with us. Or were we too harsh? Because if you think we were too harsh, you're wrong. This movie is terrible. Some people might have seen this movie with Jonathan Taylor Thomas rose-colored glasses. Oh, that's true. I admit it. I admit it. That's he true. is he is a teen heartthrob who shouldn't be in college. <laughs> also Jessica Beale. Also Jessica Beale. Period. <laughs> so let us know on Instagram, instagram.com slash movies on the side. Follow us there and comment on the post when it goes up what you think about this movie. All right, well, we're going to do a shotgun top five this week. We are doing our top five 
Christmas party hors d'oeuvre slash desserts. Does that sound right? Accoutrement. Accoutrements, yes. So this is food and dessert. I've interspersed both. I like to think of it as if you go to a party or you go, your family's all gathered around and you walk in the door and they have some things spread out, whether they are going right, to be right. for dessert later or for now, the things that really light up your life and you go, yes, yes, this is either Christmas or Thanksgiving or this is, this okay. is it. Yes. All right. You're going to have a problem with my number five already. I could probably tell, but here it is. Okay. Some kind of chips and dip. Sometimes it might be a buffalo chicken dip. Mm. Mm. But some, I have no problems. I have no problems. No, no with problems this. with that. Why okay. would I have a problem with? No, that's that's wonderful. Not necessarily Christmassy, but that's something that I just like to see at a party, and it's at oh, typically absolutely. the places that I uh, frequent during Christmas time has that. So chips and dip. You will get to my number two, which is I think the Christmas equivalent of what you just said. So wait for oh, that. Okay, very good. Okay, well, what's your number five? My number five is pumpkin pie. Oh. Now I know it's very Thanksgiving-ish, but I think it could also work for Christmas time. The pumpkin pie, I never want it any other time of the year ever. Right. <laughs> there's something about kind of the cinnamon, ginger, clove, pumpkin with a little bit of the whipped cream on top. Yes, yes. Good stuff. All right. My number four are the, the tiny meatballs. Typically, they're in like some kind of crock pot mm -hmm. or vat, and it's uh, usually a darker sauce, but uh, little small uh, meatball things. I like those. How do you feel about the weenies? They're kind of in that same... Less so about the weenies. Less Good. so. I'm also with you. Yeah, I'd rather the meatballs. Wonderful. <laughs> That's your number four. I'm going to... <laughs> nice. I'm going to say my number four is bowl of M&M candy. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, this does not have to be specifically M&M's. Right. I would always prefer peanut butter M&M's or Reese's Pieces. I'm talking a glass bowl of some sort of small candy that you can just, I know this is not germ safe, but you can just pull out 20 of them and dump yeah, them in yeah. your mouth at once. But a nice glass bowl with candy yeah. Yeah, just feels good. fancy and festive. Yeah, I agree. That's good. All right. Well, my number three are the mini square cheesecakes. Mm. They typically come in a variety, mm. maybe some strawberry swirl in some, maybe some are chocolate. And I like a full cheesecake too, but somehow those mini cheesecakes around Christmas time yes. feels right. It feels yes. right. So that is my That is three. also, let me just say, for someone who has attended a lot of weddings in my life, oh, if yes. they have mini cheesecakes, it's a good wedding. It's a good reception. <laughs> nice. I like it. All right. You're number three. My number three is anything out of the Pillsbury cookbook of the Pillsbury collection of croissants, rolls, things that you pop out of a air cannon yes. to release them from their prison, their, <laughs> their cylindrical prison, yes. and put it yes. in the oven. Any of those. Yeah. I'm going to say the, the, those little croissants that you kind of roll up, they come as triangles and you turn them into little yes, yes. things. Yeah, I like that. You can put a little weenie in there if you want to. Big in a blanket. Yep, big in a blanket. Well, my number two, and this is going to seem strange because it's similar to a previous one. My number two is... Big cheesecake. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, big sausage. <laughs> so <laughs> the Christmas Eve party that we go to every year as a family, one of the matrons makes this uh, sausage and peppers mm -hmm. dish. It's less, less mm -hmm. so an hors d'oeuvre as much as it is part of the meal. But I love it. It's like this spicy sausage and peppers thing. How big? How big is the sausage? About the size of a, you know, like a qu like, like quarter. Like a bratwurst size? Yeah. So like the full on sausage. I really like those. Spicy. My number two is the cheese log slash cheese ball. <laughs> okay. Like what you said earlier with the chips and dip. I feel like yeah. this is the festive fancy option, oh, yeah. which is you get a, a nice kind of a cream cheesy one with a little bacon on the outside oh, or some sort yeah, of. Yeah. Okay. savory and then you put crackers in it where chips feels like all year right. crackers are yeah christmas time so the cheese ball cheese log is my number two very good i like that one all right well my number one nuts <laughs> no <laughs> my number one is chocolate bark 
made. I don't know if you've uh, ever had chocolate yes, bar. Yes, yes. But I've had some exquisite white chocolate bark at a family's house party. And it is a wonderful dessert, easy to hold, and it's fun. Sometimes there's like little candy cane tiny pieces on it, so it's got that peppermint. Yeah, yeah. It is really, yes. really good. And I look forward to that probably the most in a Christmas party. Mm, wonderful. What's your number one? My number one is a shrimp ring. Really? A ring of endless shrimp. This goes for any party, but especially around Christmas time. Whenever I went to my grandparents' house, that would be the first thing I would hug and kiss my grandparents <laughs> and have maybe even have a shrimp before I got to one or the other of them growing up. Wow. The shrimp ring is decadent. Someday I will buy my own shrimp ring. <laughs> to me, it is classy food for classy people and a nice cold shrimp. I don't even use the cocktail sauce all the time. Wow. It is a part. It is a party with a shrimp ring. That's something. I was not expecting shrimp, Nate. Yeah. You, you threw me for one. Yeah. I went, I went savory there. Yeah. Very good. I got three out of five being savory. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So can you say your five again one more time? Chips and dip. Mm-hmm. Tiny meatballs. Mm-hmm. Mini cheesecakes. Mm-hmm. Sausages. Mm-hmm. And number one is chocolate bark. Wonderful. And I went pumpkin pie, bowl of M&M candies. Something in the Pillsbury family of heated cylindrical hot <laughs> baked items. Yeah. Cheese yeah. log slash cheese ball and yeah. shrimp ring. Yeah, very good. We're, you just want to do a recap? We've never done that before. That, that was different. It was different. I feel like sometimes we talk for so long in between them, it's hard for people to remember what our actual uh, list was. So I'm just making it easier for the auditors to come through and, and mm, hear our that's list. Good. You're hoping Jackson picks up that Google Sheet again and starts... It's actually, I'm hoping so that at the end of the year podcast, when we go back and review all of ours, oh. I can go back and more easily hear our top fives. Yes, that'd be good. Without yes. having to listen to our, to our voices for 30 minutes. <laughs> Very good. All right, listeners, well, let us know your favorite Christmas hors d'oeuvres and desserts. Comment on Instagram, at Movies on the Side, Twitter, at Movies on the Side, or Facebook, at Movies on the Side. We're all over there. If you have any ideas or movie suggestions, you can email podcast at moviesontheside.com. And if you have not given us a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts with a comment, don't leave Nate's dad alone. He's been hanging out there as the last review uh, for a little while now. So go ahead, go rate it with a comment. It helps us be found by people who are looking for great, fun entertainment. And uh, thank you for listening. And for our Patreon supporters, thank you. And if you'd like to join on Patreon and get a bonus episode every week, go to patreon.com slash movies on the side. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you steal a sled, no one will come after you. (laughs) (laughs) That got me, sir. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Man, that's... All I want for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas. (laughs) All I want for Christmas starring Jessica Biel. Uh, Yes. Make it Disney Plus.